Well, good morning, Forefront. Hope everybody is doing great and you're having a great weekend. Welcome to everybody tuning in online this morning. Welcome. It's good to be with you as well. Hey, if you have your Bibles, let's grab those and let's open up to the book of Matthew. And we'll be in Matthew chapter 11 for most of our time this morning. I'm really excited to kick off this new series this morning. We've been thinking for a long, looking forward to this for a long time and looking at some of the, the really interesting and sometimes crazy things that Jesus says throughout his time on earth. You know, I, I imagine if you and I were, were living in first century Israel and we hear of this new teacher named Jesus and we go out and we hear him speak, there would be a time when you and I would look at one another and, and say, Jesus said, what? I mean, he just says some really bold and radical and audacious things. You know, there's a the time Jesus is, is, is talking, he's at the Sermon on the Mount, and he, he tells the, the crowd, hey, if you want to keep yourself from sinning, then you actually need to cut your hand off and gouge out your eye. What? Or, or he'll say, you know, if you don't hate your parents, then you really don't love me. Huh? What? He would say, actually one time he says, I am the bread of life, so if, if you want to actually be full, then you actually need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Hmm, okay. Just really interesting and often crazy things that Jesus says. But what's fascinating, and this is why I'm so excited about this new series, is, is when we look at each of these things and Jesus draws us into the deeper meaning, there's power in what Jesus says that has the ability to change our lives, that has the ability to help us live like the people Jesus calls us to be. And so today we're going to start by looking at this really radical, crazy claim Jesus makes about rest. Look with me at Matthew 11, verse 28. Look what Jesus says. Jesus says this. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Now, it's almost arrogant what Jesus has to say here. That Jesus, really? You? You're going to give us rest? I think collectively, if you and I put our heads together, we could come up with uh, some common things that we feel give rest. We might say a trip to the beach. Um, we might say uh, going camping in the mountains or sitting on the back porch with a cup of coffee and a good book and a sunset. Maybe driving up to Lake Michigan, right, and sitting on those beautiful sand beaches and watching the waves come in and out. Those are relaxing things. We think of rest as something uh, we, we go and do. It's a, it's a thing. It's, it's a place. It's not usually a someone. But yet Jesus says it's actually a somebody. It's not just a someplace or a somewhere. And that somebody, Jesus says, is me. That we are chasing after rest, but the way we go about finding rest isn't the right way. And so Jesus has this really interesting thing to say about rest, and I'm excited to dig into it this morning. Let's explore this statement of Jesus. Look with me. Let's read the full text. Matthew 11:28 28 through 30. Look what Jesus says. He says, again, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And in you, uh, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Forefront, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you for this time this morning that we can come together and we can open your word. We can sing these songs and, and to point our eyes and our hearts to you. And I pray, Lord, that you use this time to stir our affections for you. Father, in your word today, you, you say something that's hard to understand. It doesn't make sense at first glance. And so I pray, Lord, you speak to our hearts and reveal, uh, reveal to us, Lord, how we can find rest. Because I, don't, I think we, we can all agree in this room we are tired and we are weary and we are burdened. And what we need more than anything right now is rest. And so, Father, speak to us through your word. I pray for those in this room, for those tuning online, for those in our community that have been walking through really difficult seasons, that sick loved ones who have just been uh, struggling with, with different challenges, Lord, give them strength and, and, Lord, give them encouragement and peace. Lord, we pray for the community in South Carolina that had another senseless act this week, lost loved ones. And we just, Lord, we're struggling with this. So, Lord, I pray you just help us to, to, to know that, Lord, you're in control and that you're going to um, draw those families closer together and closer to you, that you'll give them the comfort that they need. And help us, even though we're two-thirds of the way across the country, to be the people we can be to help love on those people in that community as well. So, Father, as we spend time in your word today, stir us up and help us leave today looking more like Jesus than when we came. And it's in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So I got a question for you. If we went around the room right now, or if you're, you're watching online, you can put this in the chat. But if I asked you, what is a word that would describe the last 12 months of your life? Right? What, what would that word be? It, what is a word that describes how you feel or how you felt or the things that you've gone through? It, if you came up with a word, I would be willing to bet that that word is not restful. Right? The word is probably not Full of rest. Now, for you introverts out there, you guys loved March and April because you guys got to stay home, kick back, relax, and you might have felt some rest for a little bit, but yeah, I'd say by about June, that rest turned to some more discomfort and uncertainty, anxiety, worry. I mean, fill in the blank. There's a lot of terms that describe the last 12 months, but I don't think it was rest. And But even beyond the, the pandemic, let's just think about that for a moment. How were you doing in the Department of Rest? How were you doing in the Rest Department prior to March of 2020? I'm going to go ahead and guess that a lot of us weren't doing great. We still were looking and desiring rest, but we just didn't have it. We just didn't seem to grasp it. I think there's a reality in life that rest is elusive. That rest is something that we feel like is just so close. Oh, it's right there, but I just can't grab it. How many of you went on a vacation in the last few years that when you got home from your vacation, you needed a vacation, right? I think we all have. Or you think, you know what, the, the kids are asleep or the kids are out of the house or I'm off work this day. I'm going to go sit in my favorite chair or go out on the back deck and I'm going I'm to read a book. And what happens? You pull out your phone, you start scrolling, you start reading news, get into a couple arguments on Twitter, right? You know, and next thing you know, I'm not very restful at all. Instead, I'm anxious and I'm checking email on my off day. I, we think rest is right there, but yet it's so hard to grasp. And then sometimes we just get really uptight and anxious because we felt like we wasted time that we should have been resting. It just This rest is this idea that we desire, that we crave, but we just can't seem to get our hands around. And then you mix in the normal rhythms of life, and I think all of us will say that we just feel tired and we feel burdened. And we feel exhausted. So Jesus makes this claim that finding rest our way doesn't work. 
that we want rest, but we just can't seem to grab it. So Jesus, what is the right way? Because if you, if you think about what Jesus says, I think he's right that rest our way, and at least for me, rest my way, doesn't seem to work. Any J.R.R. Tolkien fans? Anybody? Any Lord of the Ring fans in the room? We've got a few of us here. There's this really cool scene in uh, the, the first Lord of the Rings movie, Fellowship of the Ring, where Gandalf comes to town, and they're getting ready to have this really big party for Bilbo Baggins, the main character in The Hobbit. So if you guys have read the stories or seen the movies, you, you see this scene where Gandalf comes to town, and here's Bilbo, and they're getting ready to have this big party. And then Gandalf can just tell something's not right with Bilbo. Something's just not right. And so he, he kind of leans into this. And you, you think about Bilbo's life. Bilbo lives in, in, in the Shire, which is a beautiful place. He's getting ready to have this party. He's got everything he could imagine. He's got a house full of books and pipes and anything else you need. I guess as a hobbit, it's all you need, right? Books and pipes. And so he's getting ready to have this party. And Gandalf's like, what's going on, Bilbo? And Bilbo says this quote I'll never forget. He says, Gandalf, I feel thin, sort of stretched if you know what I mean, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. He said, this can't be right. I need a change or something. I think we've all felt like Bilbo. Maybe we feel like Bilbo today. But in this last 12 months, in the last few years of your life, I think there's a lot of times we say, you know what? I just feel like something's not right. I just feel stretched. I feel tired. I feel worn out. I feel exhausted. Exhausted. I think what, what Tolkien's trying to do is he's trying to, to see us that there's this plight of humanity that is within all of us to try to go and experience this rest, to try to find, find somewhere to slow down and, and to feel like I can have rest for my soul. And each of, that, each of us, that looks different. That picture in our mind looks different. For Bilbo, where he was living seems like rest for a lot of us. Comfy house, great community, lots of friends, firework, beautiful place. For other people, it's success or it's fame or it's, it's um, power. It could be anything. But we feel like once I get to that thing, I'm going to find rest. But yet, if you ask somebody who's there and if they're restful, I think they'd probably tell you, no, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I, I, maybe getting closer, but I just don't feel like I'm at Rest, And I, I think maybe, if you're like me, you fall back into thinking that, okay, I'll find rest in the next season of life. Anybody, anybody done that? You're like, I'm going to find rest next season. So if you're in high school right now, you're thinking, man, I can't wait to get to college because then I can sleep in as long as I want. I don't have to listen to my parents. I can eat whatever I want, and I can go to bed whenever I want. That's going to be rest. But then you get to college, and what do you do? You take tests, you work part-time jobs, and you're busier than you ever were. So what do you do in college? You think, well, I can't wait to get that first job. I'm going to start making some money. I'm going to get my own place. I won't have to deal with these roommates anymore. I'm going to get rest. So then you graduate. You get a job. What do you do? You work 50, 60 hours a week, and now you're exhausted. All you can think about is getting married and having a family because that's going to slow down, right? <laughs> Parents, it works, doesn't it? So then you get married. It's great for a little while. Then little ones start popping out, and it's amazing. But what do they do? Keep you up at night like a new puppy. And so you are not getting much rest. And so you're thinking, well, when the kids get older, man, when the kids are in high school, I'm going to have rest. And the kids get to high school, and you're trying to sneak a nap in between piano lessons, basketball practice, football games, right? You name it. So then you're thinking, well, I can't wait for these kids to get out of the house. Because then when the kids are gone, I'm finally going to be restful. But when the kids leave, you pick up a couple different events. You start to do some different things. You're busy. You're dreaming about college again, right? Eating pizza and working part-time jobs. 
but retirement's where it's going to be. Retirement's where I'm going to get rest. And then you get retired, and hey, anybody here retired busier than they ever were before? You get retired and you say, wow, I wish I was in high school again, living at mom and dad's place, eating homemade lasagna. Am I right? The next season never truly brings rest like you think it does. And you realize, wow, actually I, I missed the rest that I had before. So Jesus leans into this, and he's, he's telling us that we naturally want to think that getting the equation right, getting the formula right is what brings rest, but Jesus says it actually isn't. He said that actually doesn't re- bring rest. Notice what he says first. He says that rest is found in a person and not in a process. See, Jesus is telling us in this text here that we like to think of rest as something we find in a process, but it's actually not found that way. It's found in a person, not in a place or a thing, but a person. Look back at verse 28. Jesus just simply says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I, I, Jesus, will give you rest. Come to me. Not go to this place or not do this, but come to me. I was reading an article this week. It was talking about how, how uh, rest can increase our, produ- increase our productivity. And I love when science and psychology catch up to the Bible. You know, when science and psychology are like, you know, you're really supposed to take a day off a week and rest and relax. And I'm like, hmm, I read that somewhere, right? That makes sense. So there was this article that said the way to actually find rest is to make sure you are setting a morning routine. And then after your morning routine, you take a walk. And then at some point during the day, you take a nap. And then you stop work at the appropriate time. And then you get a full night's sleep. That even one hour less of, of, of deep rim sleep will throw you completely off kilter. And that makes a lot of sense. And that actually works. So if you go out and try this, let's make a commitment. We're all going to do this this week, right? We're all going to find time to take a, take a nap during the day, right? We're all going to find a way to take a walk while we're working and put all this together. And you know what you'll find? If you can do it, which is nearly impossible, you will feel more physically at rest. It makes sense. It does work. But I, what I want us to see here is that we want to think of a process as the way to keep us restful, and there's just no way to keep that pace. See, what Jesus is telling us here is deeper and, and, and bigger than rest for your body, which you need. You need. You should be getting the right amount of sleep. Jesus is what, telling us is deeper than mental rest, which you, you need to rest your mind. We can't be on 24-7. But what Jesus is talking about is a rest that is deeper than those two things. It's the rest that you were created for. It's the rest that you stir for and you desire. It's the rest for your soul. It's the rest for our psyche, as the New Testament translates it, for our life, for that centerpiece of who we are, being rested, being at rest spiritually. So you you think about life, and, and yeah, you know, you, you, you're busy, and you're not feeling great physically, and man, you're taxed at work, and you're pouring yourself out all day long, and you're mentally taxed, but really what wears on us, what treads our souls thin is just all of the other stuff that comes from life, and not, we're not just mentally and physically taxed. We are spiritually taxed. We are, we are feeling it in our hearts and in our souls. It's the disappointment in life. It's the dissatisfactions in life. It's the seasons of hopelessness in life, of uncertainty in life. And that wears on our soul. 
And so Jesus is speaking to this. He's speaking to the heavy burdens that we carry. And, and our problem as humans is that we try to address the symptoms rather than the root problem. And Jesus is saying, we need to address the root problem first. The root problem isn't just that you're tired because you haven't been sleeping well. The root problem is that your soul is restless. And so Jesus tells us this, come to me and I will give you rest. Here in Matthew 11, it's a really interesting place where we find Jesus. So Jesus is out, he's teaching, he's talking with his disciples, and there's the scene at the beginning of Matthew 11 where John the Baptist sends his messengers to Jesus. So John the Baptist has been, John the Baptist was a good friend of Jesus. He um, knew Jesus well. He's actually Jesus' distant cousin, and John the Baptist was arrested. And so John the Baptist had sent his messengers to go ask Jesus, Jesus, are you the one that we've been waiting on? Are you the Messiah? Are you, are you the Savior? And so Jesus tells John's friends, hey, go back to John and tell him what you see and what you hear. That the blind now see, the deaf now hear, and the sick are now healed. And so then Jesus kind of goes under this little rant. If I can say Jesus ranted, I don't know. But I think Jesus gets on this kind of this little rant where he starts to say, hey, woe to all of you who don't believe. That you see all of the things that I'm doing, but yet you don't have faith. Like you're missing it. And Jesus is talking about the fact that in his culture, same as ours, we try to come up with solutions to fix our symptoms. We try to come up with things to fix our problems without realizing what really is going on. And so Jesus is speaking to a Jewish culture that was very religious. Their culture was, was really driven by religion. And he would say to them that that, that isn't the way that you're going to find rest. That isn't the way that you're going to fix solutions. Because what's going to end up happening is you're going to be burdened and you're going to get weary. And that's exactly what happened. You know, in, in that religious culture that Jesus grew up in, the, there were the Old Testament commandments, and then there was 613 laws that the religious leaders made sure the people were aware of. So they said, if you're going to live your best life, and you're going to be successful in your marriage, and in life, and in faith, and all of these things, have a good relationship with God, you need to do all this. People were worn out, and they were exhausted by that. And Jesus says, that's not the way. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. But it's interesting, if you think about our culture, you know, Jesus looked at a group of people in first century Israel and said, you guys are worn out and exhausted. And I think he looks at us and he says the same thing, that you guys are worn out and exhausted. Now, our religion of the day isn't the Old Testament commands, but our religion of the day is trying to be educated so you say the right thing and do the right thing. Our religion of the day is, is by carrying this weight on trying to be this person that society and culture and, and, and everybody around us at work and at school thinks that we should be. And that's exhausting. Anybody worn out from that? It's exhausting. The, the demands that culture puts on top of us to try to be this, this picture of, of what it looks like to, to, to be successful and to live a, the good life. It, it's exhausting and it, it, it's a burden on us. And so Jesus says, look. Your way doesn't work. You look, at, you look around the world and you say, well, how come we can't fix the problems around us? And it's because Jesus is saying that the, the solution isn't by dealing with the symptoms. The solution is dealing with the problem. And the problem is that sin has stolen rest. The solution isn't that we aren't educated enough or that we haven't figured out the right way to, to treat each other yet. The solution is that Sin is the thief of rest. Like sin has came in and stolen our rest. 
for the most part, what makes you weary and burdened is some way tied to sin, whether it's your sin in your life or it's the sin in the world around us. But sin is the thief of rest, and it all started in the very beginning. You go back to the very first book of the Bible. You go back to when God created the world. What do you see? You see that God created the universe and the world and the cosmos, and it was full of rest. To the point where, what does God do? God creates everything. He creates mankind, and then what does he do? He rests. Did God need to rest? You think God was tired from swinging hammers? God didn't need to rest. See, God was showing us that, the, that in him, when we have the right relationship with him, and our souls are full, we're at rest. And so God creates Adam and Eve in the first, on the sixth day, and on the seventh day, he rests. And then we see Adam and Eve created to walk in relationship with God, and they were at rest. And God says, Adam and Eve, you guys have a big job. You've got to take care of this world. It's really big, by the way. There's only two of you, so you need to populate the world. And there's a lot of responsibility here, but you know what they weren't? They weren't anxious, and they weren't worried, and they weren't uncertain, and they weren't fearful. But what they were is rested. But then we see so early on that Satan tricked them into believing that real rest was found another way. See, they were tricked into believing that they actually didn't have everything they need, that they needed something else, that they needed this thing called knowledge of good and evil. And then they would be like God. And so... They sinned. They believed the lie. They believed the trick, and they sinned. And at that moment, their relationship with God was broken, and they were no longer at rest. We see the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, that immediately their eyes were opened, and what happened? They realized they didn't have any clothes on, and they went and hid and made, made undercloths made of tree limb or tree leaves. What happened? You were just at rest, so comfortable, walking with God, and now you're hiding all of a sudden, they were no longer at rest. All of a sudden, they were un- or insecure and discouraged and fearful. Why? Because sin came and stole their rest. And now they were in a place where they lived the rest of their life in this cycle of trying to find rest because that's what their soul was created to be in, restful relationship with God, and they didn't have it anymore. And then... The apple didn't fall far from the tree, did it? With us. You know, if you guys have young kids, or, or maybe your kids are grown, you guys know this is true. When you have little kids at home, they're just, and what a blessing. What a blessing kids are. But my kids are nine, seven, and three and a half. And I will tell you that when kids are little, you guys know this, every day is Christmas, right? Every day is a new experience. Everything is fun. There's no self-reflection or self-evaluation going on in a three-and-a-half-year-old. But something happens when these kids get to second and third grade, doesn't it? All of a sudden, they start wanting to be cool, and they start realizing they need to dress a certain way, and they need to act a certain way, and they need to hang out with this certain crowd, and you start to see the emotions of what kids say, and all of a sudden, you're realizing, wait, that little sweet kid that every day was Christmas now is working to try to be loved and to be valued and to feel satisfaction and to feel hope. They're working to what? Find rest, because that's what their heart needs. And then those kids grow up to be like you and me, people who are living our lives, carrying these burdens around, trying to prove that we belong and to prove that we matter and to prove that you know, we were valued and to feel security and comfort and love. The apple didn't fall far at all from the tree. 
And when you do that, it wears you out. So why is this world such a mess? Well, how can we live in a world that has more education than it's ever had, access to health care and counseling that it's never had before, technology that communicates us with people all around the globe in an instant so we can find out what people need, and yet the place is still as broken as it has ever been? It's sin, because sin has stolen our rest. And so this is what is so beautiful about what Jesus says about this invitation is Jesus says, come to me and you'll find rest. The reason Jesus came to this world and took on flesh and went to the cross was, as Sinclair Ferguson says, so Jesus could enter into the deepest darkness of our restlessness. And then when Jesus went to the cross and gave his life for us, he took our sin so that we can have rest back. Now, it's not going to be perfect. The rest we have right now is never going to be fully experienced until that day when we're with God in, in heaven. But for now, Jesus gives us the opportunity to trade what we're carrying with him. And he gives us rest. And he takes our sin Away. And that's what I love about this invitation that Jesus says, to come to me, all who are weary and burdened, because Jesus says no perfect people are allowed. He says only the people who are weary, only the people who are burdened can come to me, which, by the way, is every single one of us. And he says, stop letting sin steal your rest. Find your rest in me. So Jesus says rest is found in a person, not a process. But also, notice secondly what Jesus says. He says that rest is also found... By trading your yoke for his. That word yoke is not one we use much. I'll tell you what it means in a minute. But look back at verse 29. Look what Jesus says. He says in verse 29, he says, come to me if, if you're weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your, what? Souls. He says, I'm going to give you rest for your souls. But yeah, to take my yoke and learn from me to do it. Now, the original audience of Jesus would have understood this. They would have kind of got this language. So a yoke was, you guys know this, most of you do. A yoke was used to tie two animals together. So if you were going to pull a cart or you were going to plow a field, you would hook up two oxen or, or whatever to the yoke, and they would do the work for you. And typically what happened is you wouldn't take two animals that were equal strength. You would take a strong ox and a weaker ox. But when you put them together in the yoke, all of a sudden that weaker ox began to pull or put whatever at the level of the stronger ox. And so there was this balancing measure that happened there that strengthened that team of oxen. But that isn't the only kind of yoke. There's also uh, an individual yoke. And so back in those days, if you were going to carry something a long way or you're going to pull a cart, you would flip this thing over, carry it on your shoulders like this. You carry buckets of water. You could pull a cart behind you to bring hay to the market or, or whatever it may be. And so this is the picture of the yoke. And so Jesus' audience would have got this. Very agrarian society, they would have understood what he means by yoke. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, and then you will find rest for your souls. But there's also something else going on here. In a very religious sense, in first century Israel, um, a, if you wanted to grow and to learn God's law, you would often sit under the teaching of a rabbi. Your rabbi was your teacher. And that rabbi would give you a set of teachings that was what was going to help you accomplish 
living life to the fullest. And so this rabbi would tell you how to, how to treat your spouse, how to treat your kids, how to, how to have a prayer life, all of these things. If you followed the teachings of this rabbi, and that rabbi would put you under the yoke of his teaching. And so you would be under the yoke of his wisdom. And in reality, the standards we follow in life are always going to be a weight on our back. And so you, you see this in first century Israel, but you also see this in our culture too. Think about the, the standard that culture has put on you, that you carry around every day, the, the, the moral code that we have in society. And if you don't live up to this code, then you're, you're missing it. You're, you're outcasted. You're going to be shamed. It's pretty similar to what the people in Israel experienced. We are wearing a yoke in American culture, in Western world society. We're wearing a yoke, too. And Jesus is saying, that yoke, that's too heavy. That's not the yoke you're supposed to be wearing because you can't wear it well. But I think there's another kind of yoke that we wear. If you're a Christian, I think it, it's easy for us to fall into the yoke of living out this moralistic, therapeutic, deistic view of God that says that I have to be good enough for God to love me. And so I have to, I have to do enough good that way the bad so that God loves me and I'm in good favor with God. And so I kind of fall into this good day, bad day thing. I'm having a good day, God loves me. I'm having a bad day, God doesn't love me anymore. So i got to walk on eggshells to get back over on the good side. If you guys have been there, you know that is exhausting. That's a burden that we're not meant to carry. And so notice what Jesus says. He says, take my yoke. Now, it, it's really funny, though, if you think about it. If I asked you what would lead to rest, it's not carrying something else. It's getting rid of everything, right? You say, well, I don't, Jesus, I don't want your yoke. What I want is a vacation. Jesus, I don't want your yoke, but what I want is less responsibility. Or I want some rest. I want to be able to rest at home. I need a change of scenery, like Bilbo Baggins says. But a change of scenery isn't actually what we need. I like what Frederick Dale Bruner says. He says that Jesus isn't offering an escape, but he offers us better equipment. Isn't that good? Jesus says, take the yoke off, take the equipment that you're carrying around because it's not working, and let me give you a better piece of equipment so you can actually live your life the way you were created to live it, so you can be the best version of yourself. And Jesus says, the most restful gift I can give you is me. It's Jesus. It's Christ himself. See, Jesus says, rest from our souls comes from taking his yoke and learning from him. I like uh, in, the, in the message translation, Eugene Peterson translates this verse in a beautiful way. Notice what he says. He says this. He says that, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus says that we carry what he gives us. It's always going to be lighter than what we carry on our own because he has taken our sin and done away with it. And now he just shows us the right way to live. And Jesus was the most restful person in the world, even though life was hard for Jesus. And he says, follow me, walk with me, live with me, and I'll show you how to find rest. Uh, Dallas Willard's a, a, a philosopher and has spent a lot of his life working out ways for spiritual formation, for us to grow into the people God has called us to be. Notice what he says about this, about the easy yoke. He says, in, he says, in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. 
Notice what he says here. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists of loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. It's a strategy bound to fail. And what does Einstein say the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And so Willard says, if you want to experience the lifestyle of Jesus, then you have to adopt his lifestyle. You have to adopt his way of life. So here's his invitation to you and to me is to come to him, to walk with him, to live with him, to learn with him, to to give him what we are carrying. And then he gives us back in return himself. So that's what Jesus says. He says the rest isn't found in a process. It's found in a person. He says that we find rest by trading what we're carrying with Jesus. But notice lastly, Jesus says this, and we're going to be done. He says, rest is found by seeing Jesus' heart towards us. That we actually find rest when we see Jesus' heart, when we see how much he cares, when he see, we see that he loves us. Look, look here, it's a, it's a pretty radical claim. If you, if you listen to what Jesus is saying about him being the way we find rest. And so how do you know you can trust him? How do you know you can set your burdens down at his feet and pick up what he's given you and it's not going to be heavier? It's because of what Jesus says right here in verse 29 and 30. Look again. He says, for I am gentle and lowly. If you have your Bibles out, mark that down, highlight that. I am gentle and lowly. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We don't use that language, gentle and lowly, much. But it doesn't mean mushy and frothy. That's what it doesn't mean. Jesus being gentle means that he's meek. He means that he he is showing us humility and, and, and strength. It means that Jesus is showing us that he truly cares. He's strong but not harsh, that he is understanding. Lowly means that Jesus is approachable, that there's no prerequisites. There's no hoops to jump through. Jesus says, come to me as you are. Come to me with your burdens. Come to me with your weariness. There's a a book written by Dana Ortland. It's called Gentle and Lowly, and I couldn't recommend this book more. It talks about just the heart of Jesus. And recognizing Jesus' heart towards you, it's the most refreshing book I've read in a while. And here's what, here's what he says. Notice this. Here's what he says about Jesus being gentle and lowly. He says that whether you're working hard to crowbar your life into smoothness, which is labor, or you're passively finding yourself weighed down by, weighted down by something outside of your control, which is being heavy laden, Jesus Christ's desire that you find rest, that you come in out of the storm, outstrips even your own. Did you hear that? That Jesus wants you to find rest way more than you want to find rest. Isn't that just mind-blowing to think that? See, what Ortland is, is showing us that Jesus is saying right here in this verse is this, that the reason Jesus gets up in the morning is not to remind us what we're messing up, but it's to go with us into those deep, dark, hurtful places that are wearing us down and that have burdened to us and lifting us up like a balloon with helium in it. Jesus is the helium of our souls. And so when we're tired and we're worn out and we're burdened, Jesus says, come to me and I will lift you up because I'm gentle and I'm lowly and I'll give you rest. I think all of us in the room today, tuning in online, are 
coming in here this morning carrying something? There's a weight. Maybe it's the weight of us battling a sin. Maybe it's the weight of discouragement. Maybe, it's, maybe you're looking at your life and you're saying, this, this is not where I expected to be at this point in my life. Why am I here? How do I get out of here? Maybe you're at a place where you're just insecure and you're just really struggling with who God has made you to be right now. And you're just trying to carry that weight, trying to make your own way. And Jesus is saying, you are not created to carry this weight, but I am. So give it to me and lay it at my feet. And then, and only then, will you find real, true rest. So whatever you brought in with you this morning, whatever you've been carrying around, Jesus is asking you to make a trade. He's saying, trade that with me. And when you do, it'll be the best decision you ever made. Jesus says to us today, come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray together.